and open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. As we're in a series on strength for today, hope for tomorrow. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And this is the Word of God. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who's called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle, so she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she's to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the teacher, but the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And then join me, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father, we're so glad that we do have your word this morning that is true and that it's certain. And so, Father, we're asking for your Holy Spirit's help uh, to understand what you're showing us here, Father, uh, to see how it applies to the way you want us to live, uh, Father, before you. Uh, and stand against the evil one. So help us, we pray, even now, in Jesus' name. Amen. They are the words that no baseball player wants to hear. Whether you're an eight-year-old, third-string, second baseman, little ligger, playing behind Punky Belcher's little brother, Michael, and Stinky Stover, uh, you still remember those five times out of ten at-bats, your first year, you're out. Um, you do remember. And, uh, or if you're Ronald Acuna in the World Series, that walk back to the dugout once you're called out uh, is a very long one. And our text today includes the most notorious strikeout in history. Uh, no, it's not mighty Casey in Mudville, uh, but rather it's the dragon, it's the devil, it's Satan himself uh, who will uh, strike here, strike three, you're out. Now, before we see that, we've got to look back at last week for a moment. Chapter 12 is really all one story. Uh, and last week, we saw the overview that comes in the first six verses. We saw a pregnant woman whom we said represents the church. Uh, she uh, gives birth to a child who is the Christ child, Messiah. And Satan stands there ready to devour that child. But he fails. And the umpire calls strike one. So what happens as the story continues? 
Let's go to the text and literally let's see it. All right. So we start with a surprise. War breaks out in heaven. No war rose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon who was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Now, for all the joy and celebration we've seen in heaven, perhaps it's a bit surprising to see a war take place there. But it's the exact same conflict as we saw in the first six verses. It's just a different perspective. The first was earthly. This is a heavenly perspective. The combatants are are Michael and his angels against the dragon and his angels. Uh, And like in the book of Daniel, Michael, the chief angel, the protector of his people, Uh, He is, in fact, the pursuer. He's the one who's attacking uh, the dragon. And the dragon is defeated, and the dragon is banished from heaven. Now, why is that? Because this is, again, a picture of a spiritual battle. The spiritual battle fought by Jesus and Satan at the cross. Keep in mind, the cross is not some reactionary move by God uh, that he was forced into. But it's an offensive move. The cross is God's attack on Satan. So the dragon's the loser. And his henchmen, his minions, his fallen angels, whom we now call demons, they're banished from heaven. And we learn the the identity here of the dragon. Uh, It's Satan. Various titles are given to him in the Bible. He's the ancient serpent. It points us back to the Garden of Eden. Uh, His attack on Adam and Eve. He's called that to, to indicate his antiquity. Uh, he's called a snake to indicate his shyness and his cunning. Snakes have power to bring chaos and confusion. I could prove that if I just let a snake loose in here this morning. Uh, there would be chaos and confusion, I assure you. Um, and he's called the devil. One who slanders. One who divides. One who brings charges. He's called Satan. The adversary, the accuser. Devil and Satan are are synonyms. He is called the deceiver of the whole world. And losing that battle, he's thrown out of heaven. And he's thrown down to earth. And somewhere an umpire calls out, strike two. Now here on earth, though, he's still active. uh, And perhaps more determined than desperate than ever. He uses principalities and powers to dominate through global empires, political movements, philosophical ideas, distortions of the truth, and so on. He sows discord and mistrust. And his name Satan emphasizes he's constantly uh, accusing us, constantly reminding us of our sin, because he knows the paralyzing power of, of guilt and shame. Now, here's the important thing to see. Satan no longer has a place in heaven to accuse us before God. All right? He no longer has a place to go to in heaven ever since the cross and the resurrection. Now, in the Old Testament, we find Satan accusing God's people in God's presence. Uh, Maybe you remember our series on Job from several years ago, and we saw Satan twice in the opening chapters. Uh, make trips into heaven's courtroom to accuse Job of sin. Zechariah 3, 
Uh, remember the picture there is as the priest Joshua standing there before God and his, his clothes are filthy. They reflect the fact that he has a, a sinful heart. And Satan's accusing him. And yet God intercedes. And God gives Joshua new, clean clothes and cleanses him from sin. Joshua really was a guilty sinner before God. Uh, his garments did reveal his heart. But you see, Jesus intervened. So the way John unfolds this helps us see that the time of that battle, of this battle from heaven's perspective, the central battle, is in fact the cross. Now some people look at this and see what had happened at creation. He was cast out of heaven. We just point out, we see him in the Old Testament still going, having access until the cross. Yet at the same time, that spiritual warfare rages today. And seeing that battle is, a, is an ongoing battle uh, that has raged and continues to rage across the centuries. Uh, as we saw last week, it, it, it's ongoing. But the key battle, the decisive battle, is the cross. Now at this point, we have an interlude with a hymn. We've seen this before. It's a song of victory. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they've conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. So a loud voice makes an announcement. And John doesn't identify who the loud voice is. Uh, probably it means it's not important who it is. Uh, some would suggest it's, it's most likely the church in heaven. And by saying now, the message is not chronological. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a kairos moment. It's a key moment in time. The pivotal moment in history. Salvation. The power of God. The kingdom of God. The authority of Christ have come. You remember what Jesus said as he gave the Great Commission? All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. This is the Psalm 2 moment uh, of history we've waited for. God establishes His Son, the Christ, as King. We pray this morning, Thy kingdom come. Uh, and with the cross, with the resurrection, the kingdom does come. So it's already here. It's not, just, it's not yet known by... Uh, by all in the world. It's not universally acknowledged the way it will be. And so that's what we pray for. That day to come. Indeed, Jesus will return visibly. And right now, God the Father rules through His Son. We celebrated that two weeks ago with the Hallelujah Chorus. And so this reflects Christ's triumph at the cross and resurrection. And again, it is the turning point in history. Notice how confident John is. Uh, even though Christ has not yet returned. And so with the resurrection and ascension, the accuser is cast down by Jesus. Now, how did Jesus win? How does he win today? Well, he conquers Satan by the shedding of his blood as the Lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb on the cross. Uh, and then don't miss this. He conquers by the word of our testimony. All right? Satan is conquered as God's people bear witness to what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. And this is the key. They do it without regard 
for their own lives. It's a bit of an unusual strategy to say the least. But the reality is in Christ we die to ourselves. And in Christ we live forever. Christ's death and resurrection is the starting point as well as bearing our testimony. Just sharing what Christ has done. The Apostle Paul talked about this in Acts. He said, I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Um, But practically speaking, it's also very helpful to help us understand how we are to deal with the issue of guilt and shame when it comes to our sin. We understand it's Satan who entices us to sin. Satan makes it seem attractive, makes it seem fun, makes it even seem wise at times. And then when we do sin, Satan taunts us about that sin. Satan wants us to feel guilt over that sin. He accuses us, not before God, but to our face. See, when it comes to our sin, Jesus is both a historian and a hysterian. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, he's quite a historian. You know, he is able to bring to our minds sins that we committed years and years ago. Just out of the blue, we'll think of something we did wrong. Uh, and, and we know that's the work of Satan, to bring it to our minds. He does it to make us feel guilty, to make us feel ashamed. Uh, he, he brings it to our minds when we've forgotten. And we've forgotten because forgiven, God's forgotten. That's why, we, that's why we forget until Satan tempts us to remember. And he also tries to make us hysterical over our sin. To make us think that somehow we've committed sin that it's so bad, God could never forgive us. It's so bad that surely it severs us from God's love. And he does it in the hopes that we will turn and, and walk away from Jesus in despair. So here's what we've got to remember when it comes to our sin. Go back to Revelation 7, 14. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That's our status. God sees us not in filthy clothes. He sees us in white robes made white in the Lamb's blood. And so our security is in Christ. Peter writes that Jesus has gone into heaven as the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to Him. So in a certain sense, Jesus takes Satan's place as, the, as, a, as like a prosecuting attorney, but, but he, he turns it around. Jesus is not a foe against us as we stand before the Father. He's the advocate for us. Uh, he stands with us before the Father. John himself says in his first letter that when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So our advocate, Jesus, when we sin, when we confess our sin, he points to his blood before the Father as the basis for forgiving our sins. Remember what Paul asked those rhetorical questions in Romans 8. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who will condemn and the answer is, no one. Nobody. 
So friends, remember, it's what we sang last week as we celebrated the Lord's Supper. When Satan tempts me to despair or tells me of the guilt within, upwards I look him there and see him who made an end to all my sin. And see, we can be certain about that because of the cross. Jesus won the battle. Jesus tells us in his gospel, John's gospel, Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the rule of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And so there you have it. Jesus proclaiming Satan's defeat along with the power of the gospel to save people and draw people to himself. And so with that victory secure, heaven rejoices. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. So we have reason to celebrate. Satan's no longer in heaven. He's no longer up there constantly lodging accusations against us to the Father. Uh, At the same time, the earth and the sea say, Whoa! Because Satan is here. And knowing that he's failed to defeat Jesus, he now comes back to his agenda. Verse 13, when the dragon saw it had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had been given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and a half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. So here's a, a closer look at how that battle ended up in verse 6. Satan pursues the woman, pursues the church, with what one writer calls just a focused rage. Satan's now unable to, to attack the ascended Christ. He's reigning from his throne in heaven. So he turns his attention to his body to the covenant church, to the the, the community of God's people, to chase her. And just as God's people under Moses escaped the clutches of Pharaoh by what what God termed eagle's wings in Exodus 19, those same eagle's wings uh, enable the woman, the church, to fly into the wilderness to be nourished, to be protected. It's the eagle ranch concept they use for their children there. And what's this look like? Well, Kistermacher tells us, he's in, God's given the church a place and lavishly provides her with daily necessities like he gave the Israelites uh, manna, quail, and water during their wilderness journey. Their clothes and shoes did not wear out. They were shielded from the hot desert sun during the day and were kept warm by the pillar of fire by night. And likewise, God shields the church from the attacks of the devil by providing his covenant people with spiritual armor. And for how long? That same time period we keep seeing. Time, times, and half a time. Three and a half. Uh, a limited period of time as we see throughout Revelation. The serpent even tries to get to drown the woman with water, a flood chasing after her. Uh, like the flood that swallowed up Pharaoh's army. Dennis Johnson suggests that the waters represent the false teaching that would, would drown the church if we did not stand firm against them. But then the earth opens up, 
It intervenes and it swallows the water to protect her. And we've seen that before. Uh, remember that the earth opened up and swallowed the participants in Korah's rebellion against Moses and God that we read about in Numbers 16. And so enraged at this failure, then the, the, the dragon goes to pursue, it says, other offspring of the, of the woman. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Satan's plans are a global onslaught of the church. We see that in the global persecution of the church. Fourteen-year-old Pakistani girl came to trust Christ through the witness of one of her friends. When she confessed Christ, her family uh, took her aside and, and they beat her um, and insisted she return to Islam. And she refused. So her uncle took her down to a canal and he put a pistol to her head and demanded that she turn back to Islam. And she said, you can kill me if you want. I will not leave Christ. Fourteen years old. Not satisfied, the uncle spied a, a, a deadly black cobra swimming in the canal. And he knew his niece couldn't swim. And so he threw her in the canal, thinking she would either drown or get bitten by the cobra. But like in verse 14, God gave her eagle wings that she somehow miraculously escaped uh, and went into hiding. And she told the believers who helped her, Jesus was crucified for us. Can we not endure some of the same for Him? See, she saw things from heaven's viewpoint. Her security in Christ. And she bore up under extreme opposition. And her motivation was the crucified Christ. And she did not fear death. Friends, as the people of God, we are to be characterized, it says here, by obedience and faithfulness. That obedience and faithfulness to God is rooted in the grace God gives us. Having received saving grace, having received sustaining grace, we're strengthened, we're motivated to be obedient to the Word of God, to faithfully live out God's Word before a fallen world, bearing testament to what Christ has done for us. See, friends, that's how we go on offense against Satan. Like many sheep ranchers in Montana, uh, Lexi Fowler tried just about everything to stop the coyotes from killing her sheep. She used odor sprays, those things we spray to keep the deer out of our yards and stuff, all right? Um, She used uh, uh, electric fences. She used uh, fake scary coyotes. Uh, she, uh, she slept with her lambs during the summer. She put battery-operated radios with them other times. Um, she corralled them at night. She, she herded them by day. But she still lost scores of lambs. lambs. And he 50 the year before, she discovered the llama. All right? Uh, and uh, the aggressive turns out to be afraid of nothing llama. Who knew, all right? And she said, llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything. When they see something, they put their head up and walk straight toward it. That's aggressive behavior as far as the coyote is concerned. And they won't have anything to do with that. Coyotes are opportunists. 
And lamas take that opportunity away. We send Satan away by walking before God straight towards him. Dare I say we need to walk llama-like. We have to practice that to get it down, I suppose. Uh, As we we trust in God's grace, in his power to save that we sang about, and we obey his word. It's not a grudging obedience that we're called to, friends. It's a joyful, delightful obedience to commands that tell us what's best for us. And when we sing the great hymn, The Church is One Foundation, we sing these words. The church shall never perish. And why is that? God protects His people. Period. No ifs. No maybes. No hopefulies. Uh, Chapter 12 assures us, as God's people, that all of Satan's plots will ultimately fail. And to be sure, the body they may kill... But God's truth about it still, His kingdom is forever. Let me just say something about our worship as we work our way through Revelation. I've got to say, when we choose the hymns this week, it'd be tempting every week to sing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and The Church is One Foundation. I tell you, just they're the first two hymns that come to mind every, every week. Um, but be good. We need those words all the way embedded in our hearts and minds. And so not only did Satan fail to swallow the Christ child, that's strike one. Not only did Satan fall in his battle against Michael, strike two. But Satan fails to stop the church, and that's strike three. And so God's word assures us he's word those dreadful words, you're out. And like an angry player who thinks he cannot strike out. Satan's still arguing the call. He's still screaming. He's still fighting. Still seeking revenge. Still seeking to prove himself. But he will fail. Just as there is no joy in Mudville because mighty Casey struck out. There's no joy in hell. Because mighty Satan has struck out. So what about us? Last week I did suggest that the fictional fiddle contest in Georgia that Satan lost to Johnny, that'd be strike one. He'd lose to Emerson and Elizabeth, two and three, okay? Uh, it just confirms again. Friends, he's the ultimate loser. And by the way, if you'd go through the text and count today more carefully than I did, you at least five times he, he, he struck out. He swung and missed. But be sure of this, misery loves company. Satan wants to drag as many people into hell as he can. And so Peter warns us, be sober-minded, be be watchful. Your adversary, uh, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And we we need to to hear, heed the challenge that James gives us. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Now, some of you will pick up, nah, that comes from the King James, right? Um, and, um, and let me just say, uh, I was taught that church in children's church 
well, more than a few years ago. Um, uh, our teacher was Miss Jenkins. She taught children's church every Sunday, by the way. Uh, and, uh, and she taught us Bible verses with flannel graph. And the word for, the, the image for resist was a policeman. Uh, and he was in uniform. And he had an oversized hand with a white glove on it held up like this. Resist. And, and sort of memorable. I can still see it today. All right? It, it gets the point across. Uh, I, Brothers and sisters, we live in a sinful world. And we need to always be bearing testimony, pointing people to Jesus. By the way, if you, if you want to be better equipped, there's a, uh, there's a group that meets on Sunday nights next week for that. You can join them. Um, and if you're here today and, you, and you've yet to place your trust in Christ, yet to be forgiven of your sins, you know what guilt is. You don't have the hope that comes from knowing Jesus that your eternity is absolutely secure. Uh, but urge you respond with faith today. And believers, as we walk through this sinful world, our task is to stand up, llama-like, for Jesus. Resisting Satan, we draw near to God. We stand on His grace and without His word. And then we share that word as we engage his world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that though the wrong seems all so strong, you're still the ruler. You're ruling through your son, Jesus Christ. And the key battle, the decisive battle has been won at the cross and through the resurrection. So, Father, we have hope. Uh, so, Lord, I would pray even now, when Satan does tempt us to despair, Father, cause us to look and see the, the ascended, triumphal Christ, to know that our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And that, Father, we will resist the Satan, Father. We will walk like llamas, Father, straight towards Him, walking before You. By your word, Father. So use us, we pray, Father. Take the fear away, we ask. Father, may we be willing to bear testimony even unto death, we pray. Father, somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus, Father, show them that he won that decisive victory at the cross, and Satan would like nothing better than to keep them in his clutches. So, Father, point them to your Son. Give them faith, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.